Welcome to the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. This is your home for inspiring conversations with women leading the way throughout the automotive spaces. I'm your host, Amanda Busick, and the power of this podcast is in the strength of this community. We believe that high tides rise all ships into each of you collaborating together to steer this ship. We see you, we recognize you, and we salute you. It's time to set sail. Another episode of Women Shifting Gears starts now. Tina Nellis is our Women Shifting Gears driven by Hemmings guest this week. And while her title at BASF is Marketing Services Manager, a.k.a. Marketing Communications, Tina has her hands on several initiatives aimed at youth, diversity, and the inclusion of women in the automotive space. Identifying talent has become a mission of the Michigan native as she continues to grow in her role at a company that supports these endeavors. She has many different to-do lists, little time, yet a big network of supporting coworkers and friends, and Tina catches us up on her recent SEMA show, her path to where she is now, and what we can look forward to in the upcoming years. Cheers to Tina. Welcome to your weekly Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. Our guest this week is Tina Nellis. She's the Marketing Service Manager, aka Marketing Communications for BASF. And Tina, I know we talked prior to this podcast. I'm looking at everything you're involved in, which we're going to break down. But how do you keep it all in track? Uh, it can be challenging at times. There are definitely this to-do list, this to-do list, and that to-do list. But I also have, you know, it is, I have a lot of responsibility, but I do have a team behind me and I could not get it done without the team behind me. I have, you know, some creative design team members. I have marketing specialist team members and together we, uh, you know, head out and conquer the world. How many people work under you? So I have um, officially three people that work under me. So I have Jill Schumacher, Yolanda Sandor, and I also have Josh, um, who's technically under me, but is kind of a contractor. I also say, too, that, you know, there's all these people within the marketing team and outside the organization. They're part of your team as well. You've been with BASF for 16 years as you went through and evolved in your career. Did you take a liking to the management kind of role or was that a challenge for you? No, you know, my actual, my, my um, graduate is an MSBA in leadership. So I always say it's often one of my, you know, most rewarding elements of my career is watching the people that I work with succeed. Um, That excites me just as much as me succeeding. I live by the theory that if you succeed, I succeed and just collaborate together to win together. And in the marketing communications role with BASF, what does the day-to-day look like for you? Oh, day-to-day. I often say I can compare it very easily to my customer service days in BASF because day-to-day can go from one thing to another. You can have that perfect day planned out. You can come in and say, I'm going to get, you know, one, two, I'm going to get these four things done. And then by the end of the day, you go, well, crap, that did not work because (laughs) we needed to get this onto social media or we needed to get this communication out or we wanted to, you know, share this message out to the group. So it can often change very easily, but that's what keeps it fun is no two days are alike. I I sit down and I, I make the plan and I work the plan. When you look back at uh, kind of starting in this career and being in the automotive space, is it something that you desired when you went to school? You know, it's funny. I'll look at that as two ways. So I work for BASF, the chemical company. That is one thing I never seen myself doing is working for a (laughs) chemical company because I do not like chemistry or science, but here I am. 
as far as cars go, I have always loved cars from the time I was 16 till till still today. I can remember probably, you know, maybe I shouldn't announce this on a podcast, but you know, at 16, it started with, you know, uh, street racing, you know, uh, I had fun with it and had fun with the group. And then when I met my husband today, you know, 26 years ago, we were building a 1969 Cheval together. So there's <laughs> always been that passion for cars. But coming in that BASF, that chemical company, I started in customer service. I did a little bit of automotive there, you know, because BASF is very tied to automotive. So I was handling automotive customers and stuff like that. And then I went to an internal consulting role where I did projects across sales, supply chain and marketing. And that is when I met the refinish business and I supported them in a project. And I'm like, I want a job in that group. That's that's where I belong. That's me. And and here I am, you know, kind of almost eight years later in the automotive refinish group where I where I do believe I belong. I do want to get to that, but I want to go back to the street racing, not on the, the naughtiness, not on the naughtiness of it. But what was it about speed or that acceleration that grabbed you? You know, it was, I would just say it, <laughs> it was being able to beat the guys off the, off the line. <laughs> still to this day, you know, I haven't street, I haven't drag raced in a while um, because I went from street racing to drag racing um, and it's been a while, but it's, it's always getting, getting them off the line um, because that's your initial reaction. Yeah. And, and just to know that, Hey, I got this. Where was your drag strip of choice, Martin? No, actually um, Milan. Close okay. To yes. Yeah. Great. Awesome. That's fun. I, you know, it, it's funny because they talk about, uh, you know, the men and men versus women and drag racing and truly underneath the helmet or inside that car, the, the car doesn't know a gender. Nope. It's, it's, it's all in your reaction and your ability to do what you need to do at that moment. So I do want to, uh, so jump backing into the BASF and now in the refinishing side of things, uh, for those that might not know, as a chemical company, where does that exist in the automotive space? So in a chemical company, you know, like it, you were very, very large. We have one division that's called coatings. And you, when you think about coatings, there's actually two subdivisions there. The first one is OEM coatings. So when they're manufacturing a car, and they paint your car, whether they paint your car black or that pearl white or the red, that is or could be our coatings as well. And then we have the division that I work in, which is the automotive refinish coatings. So this is maybe not the one everybody loves. So if you think about it and somebody rear ends you and you need to get that bumper repainted, that is us. <laughs> so that paint that you put on your bumper when they repaint it at the body shop, Hopefully they're using the BASF, Glazard, or RM brands, and you're getting repaired with our product. It's I find it I, that happened to me actually recently. Uh, my brand new car before I even had my tags on, I still had new tags on the car. I got rear-ended, oh. and um, it was so I had the the white from the manufacturer, and they ship just the standard bumper, and then they have to paint it. But it went through the process of how difficult that process is of creating the exact match. Why is that? So, so if you think about it, that white car could be manufactured 
in California, in Mexico, in, I mean, it could be manufactured anywhere. And, you know, that white car is getting manufactured at multiple different locations. And they each have variances of what they're allowed on that white. So that white that you have, there could be a hundred different variances or more of that exact you know, and it's very little differences. Maybe it's got, maybe it's a little dirtier, maybe it's a little cleaner, maybe it's a little muddier and it can be just a slight difference, but that match is important. You know, I always say, if you see that car going down the road and they've replaced a door and you see their door is a different color from their front fender, you know, the match wasn't done very well. That's not what we want. We want that exact match. So BASF has done a lot over the last, you know, a couple of years, you know, there's a lot of color matching tools. We're also going to a cloud-based platform called Refinity that's really making it easier to get what you need when you need it um, and get that match. So you deliver that car to a happy customer. Oh, it's fascinating. I didn't realize there's uh, thousands of different colors of white, (laughs) especially in automotive. Well, I do want to, I know you're involved in so many projects, which I just find absolutely fascinating. But as we kind of go through what all you're up to currently, uh, what's kind of taking up most of your time uh, at the moment? So, so there's probably, I would say maybe four main things that are taking my time. Um, There's four kind of big projects. One would be 100 line. So if you see this, oh, not everybody else can see that, but you. (laughs) It is beautiful. It is a really nice painting behind you. Um, So we are in the mix of launching, uh, launching Glazer at 100 line. This is a new base coat system. It's been 30 years since anybody has really introduced a new base coat system. This is the fastest waterborne paint coat system on the market. It offers speed, efficiency, and perfection. In addition to that, so there's a lot of time, you know, I've done some launch campaigns, you know, working on a lot of different things to launch that literature, ready to launch events virtually, and a lot of different things that go with that. In addition to that, we're launching Refinity, which is our cloud-based platform. It's the one-stop shop for all of the technicians that use our product. So whether they need to mix paint, do training, whatever it may be, it's the one-stop shop. Now I like to say, okay, those are fun, but even, you know, even those projects that are, that are just, just get in and, you know, you get that passion behind it is first going to be, you know, Bogey. Everybody knows Bogey from All Girls Garage. Um, She is actually working on a Volvo right now that will be launched in the BASF booth in 2022 at SEMA. It is an all-female build. So I am working with her. We're working on, you know, we're working on doing a BASF build day where we're going to send four or five women down there and we're going to work on it. We're also working on, you know, what color is that Volvo going to be? Let's go for a paint campaign. And then the next one is we're working on a campaign that just shows why it's so important for women to be in the industry and just demonstrates the rawness of women in the industry. Um, So that's one of the fun ones. And that one comes first. And then the next one that comes up that we just announced is what I call Operative Talent. Operative Talent is a project that we're working with Kreth. Hemmings is going to be a huge media partner as well as KTL, who's going to be the builder. With this project, we are our, it's our mission to create awareness for the industry. And we're going to do that two ways. 
And mind you, we are focusing on the collision repair industry. That's what's important to us and CREF. But it's first going to create PSA announcements to create awareness on the possibilities in this industry. And then secondly, it's going to create a website that tells you what career options are available. Um, so this is obviously, it's going to educate parents. It's going to educate counselors. It's going to educate students and create that awareness about the possibilities. Crystal from KTL and I just did a session with eighth graders. Um, and one of the things we told them is, you know, as a painter, you can have the opportunity once you get in that high productive shop to make six figures. It's out there. It's possible. Let's educate them and let them know. But so how are we doing this with operative talent? KTL is actually building a 1969 Camaro that we're going to be selling raffle tickets. Um, we should be having them available about the first of the year. The fun part about that is we're likely going to the price of the raffle ticket is going to be the average age of a technician. So it could just kind of, you know, continuing to create that awareness, create that buzz. Um, and that the Camaro will actually be raffled off at SEMA 2023 at the BASF. Yeah. I do want to uh, break through and go through all of those uh, things that you're a part of. But uh, I just met Crystal at SEMA <laughs> and uh, it was wonderful seeing people together again and to see I was blown away even seeing young people uh, running around there. And it kind of hit me that, you know, we've been off for two years and most likely this could be some individual's first SEMA. Uh, so the idea that they got to experience uh, it that way, but uh, coming back to the to the support from your company uh, with at BASF, how meaningful is it? I, I just find it fascinating that they're so committed. You know, a lot of companies talk about what they're going to do. Um, and they say they're going to be a part of this, but it sounds like that you guys are actually doing it. Um, how almost even refreshing is it that your company is so on board of identifying young talent, making sure women are included in this space? Yeah, it's you talk about the a lot of people talk about it. We're actually doing it. We actually have a team of us. There's about five of us and it. It comes from, you know, a team of communi communication, a marketing team member, a sales team member, a couple HR team members. And we were actually responsible for de developing our strategy for talent. And that's talent in the industry, not talent for BASF. You know, HR has the strategy on how they're going to attract talent to BASF. This is about attracting talent to the industry. And, you know, behind that, you know, I get the fun projects. And that's what I always tell everybody in marketing communications. I get to take everything everybody does and put it out to the market. So I have those fun touch points. <laughs> but behind all of that, you know, we have the two fun touch points where we're working with the bogey build and we're working with the talent, you know, the Camaro. But behind all that, we're also working with vo vocational schools. We have audits that we go through and how do, you know, we have a whole strategy behind this of how we're going to work with them and how we're going to identify them, how they can help us and how we can help them. In addition to that, there's also, you know, we're looking at how do we get like internships for some of our, uh, from of our, some of our shops and help them get internships and see and meet that new talent. So there's a whole strategy behind it. I get the fun part is what I like to say. <laughs> 
but but there is more meat behind it than just those promotional projects. So we're constantly doing it. We constantly meet once a week. I get to talk about my project. Everybody gives their updates. And then we also present to the leadership team. And what I tell everybody is the best way we can keep sending the message that it's important for BASF to track talent to the industry is every year we need a key project that keeps people talking about us. I've got 2022 lined up. I've got 2023 lined up. About a year, maybe next this time next year, I'll be planning 2024. <laughs> it does, but it does sound like you. You know, I. It's almost. I hate to say it, but I feel like in terms of of jobs and education, it's almost like we lost our way a little bit there. And and now that uh, kids know or that younger adults know the possibilities of of a vocational kind of education as well as a career when you find these i mean you're 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 hands on with them uh in these like almost pivotal years in their life what kind of reactions are you getting from students and from young talent you know it's it's interesting you see a, you see a wide variety of reactions i'll take you back to the session that crystal and i just did with the student with the 8th grade students um, that was a rewarding session. And so you sit and you listen and you watch their their faces and you start talking about these vocational type jobs and what's out there. And, you know, like you have two years, of, two years of school and not four years of debt, you know, or 20 years of debt. And you have a lot of possibilities. You can you can paint, you can you can weld, you can you name it, you can do it um, if you have a passion for it. Put your mind to it um, and you may start painting and, and, and learn that painting. But then you know what? There's other possibilities as you get older that could take you to work for a company like BASF as a, as a tech rep or a sales rep or in marketing. There are, you know, it doesn't stop where you're going to be, you know, behind that spray gun when you're 50 years old or 45 years old and it gets a little tougher. There are a lot of opportunities. And I think that's why the operative talent project is important because we start to explain what's out there, what career paths are possible. Um, you know, just like when I graduated with my undergrad, I was in customer service, you know, and mind you, I love that. That's a very important job. And, and I tell anybody, if you could start anywhere, start in customer service because you learn a lot about the business, you learn a lot about the people and you have a lot of touch points. And you build a lot of relationships. And when you first start a job, your relationships and networking is your most important for what the future brings. <laughs> and I'll tell that to even the kids in, in vocational school. If you're working with a painter, make those connections, make those networks. When that sales rep comes in or that distributor comes in, make those connections because you never know what the future holds. I think it's often challenging for because uh, I was definitely that person. I was the I was as impatient as they are now. But it, you almost forget that uh, you're not going to be the painter forever. You're not going to be that entry level, and those around you are also going to age into their career. So I I'm 100% agreeing on the whole part of the relationships. That said, is there someone that um, kind of helped you along? Is there a relationship that really touched your career? You know, it, it's funny. This is probably 
one of the good time, a good opportunity to bring in what I call the BASF um, ambassador program. And really what that is, is that's those known in the industry. Take it via Chip Foose, KTL Restorations, Goolsby Customs, Bogey, Roadster Shop. I could go on and on and on. There are people who are known in the industry. Maybe, you know, some of them are known outside the industry. Most of them are known in the industry. But I'll go back five years ago and I, I said, you know, we have a lot of people using our paint brand a lot of really good industry partners using our paint brand. And I said, we don't utilize these people enough. I said, I need to build a program that really helps promote them while at the same time, it really promotes my brand. I said, and when I succeed, what's going to be known is that people are coming to me to use the BASF paint brand because of this, you know, because of this BASF family. And um, so I set that out five years ago, but at five years ago, you know, I was just getting my feet wet in this industry and I didn't know a lot of people. And I sat and I sat and I told that to Jonathan Goolsby at Goolsby Customs, you know, and he's like, let me help you, Tina. And so he, he did exactly that. He started introducing me to people. He said, you know, this is so-and-so from this shop. This is so-and-so from this shop. He did a lot of the introductions. So it was so it was very, you know, important because he helped me take that my career and this BASF family to the next step. And, you know, I've done it. People come to me now. Um, and if I go back to 2019, I was recognized at the Roadster Shop Party for Industry Partner of the Year. And it's, it's exactly that because I've created those, you know, I've created those honest relationships. I'll be the first one to tell you when I start talking to a custom shop and a painter, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't know about paint. I know enough to get me in trouble. But what I do know is how to get you the answers and who to connect you with. And so that transparency, that honesty has created what I call the BASF family. It's nothing to catch us at SEMA or catch us at a good guy's car, a car show anywhere where all of us are hanging out together. Um, and, you, you know, it's nothing to see Goolsby and Cruiser Customs and KTL, all of us together, Revision Rods, any one of them, um, you know, hanging out and having a good time and talking about how we can succeed more. But uh, Jonathan was very, you know, integral in helping me be successful. Still, I know we talked about it just a little bit ago, but I, what I find so um, fascinating and important is, you know, especially when we look at this new generation, um, it, it almost seems like they they care about what their company stands for. And what I have enjoyed about listening to everything that that you're a part of is is the idea that in acquiring this next generation of talent, um, you guys have already kind of laid the foundation of what it's going to take to recruit. Um, how are you so forward thinking in that? I think it's just a lot of sitting down in really just thinking, what do I need to do to get ahead? And how can I help BASF succeed? So if I think about it, you know, when I think about BASF, at the end of the day, collision repair is the core of our business. It, it's the it's the it's the money maker. The custom side of the world and the you know the the Camaros and the custom cars and all of that. That's to me 
how more people learn about our brand. And so I just sit there and I think about different ways to succeed and do different things. And I'm always thinking about that future. Like right now, I'm continuing to think, okay, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve where people are coming to BASF to say, I want to be a part of the BASF family. So I've gotten that. How do I get to that next step? And what does that next step look like? I don't quite know that one. I'm still kind of working that one through my head. I do think it is a lot more about the younger talent. And so it's just really challenging, constantly challenging myself to be better every single year. I, I think it's brilliant. And because like, as we, as you said, that younger talent, they're going to be the next generation decision makers yep. and your brand is right there on their, on their mind. Yeah. So I did, uh, uh, there was a mention of um, a partnership with the Petties. Yes, uh, we do. Petties Garage is another one that we do partner with. Um, Richard Petty has in his, you know, if I go to the race team or if I go to the Petties Garage, they have used um, RM specifically for, I believe we're now over 30 years. Well, I know there's a lot, um, you know, as women, we almost wear our profession with a badge sometimes uh, and throw ourselves in it completely. But you are a lot more than just your profession. Uh, in your notes to us, uh, you wrote that uh, you've been married for 22 years. You're currently building a house and you are a fur baby mom. So when you're not juggling all these to-do lists for all these different uh, tasks that you have, how do you um, take how do you take a load off? Uh, I would say there's a couple different ways. Um, you know, my husband and I we just enjoy some downtime. Whether it's you know going out for just a ride, to, you know, around the area, local area, just see what's out there. Um, you know, a lot over the last couple of years because we've been building the house. We haven't been building the house for two years, but we've been kind of planning it. So we've been taking a lot of little rides to see what do we like? What do we don't like? You know, all that kind of fun stuff. So when that goes away, I'm not sure what our rides will be. <laughs> um, but I also enjoy spending time with my girlfriends. One of my favorite parts is really just, hey, let's go shopping. Um, <laughs> you know, retail therapy cures all. <laughs> And then also I would say, you know, my niece and nephew, um, I have a 17 year old niece and a seven year old nephew who are my world. They're very, very smart. And when you're really having a bad day, you just kind of head over to their place and they will no matter what cheer you up. Have you talked them into automotive yet? Um, you, you know, Kaylee, Kaylee, not so much. She's definitely not an automotive girl. She's a swimmer. Um, oh, great. Swim for college and all of that. So, uh, but Brady, he uh, kind of likes cars. And so, uh, you know, I'm always showing him what I've seen or I'll show him like if I've done a video at SEMA or something like that, I'll show him that. So we're trying to persuade him at least. Kaylee, she's a girly girl. <laughs> Do you guys still have the Chevelle? We don't. We sold that pretty, um, we probably sold it about two years after. We've had a lot of different Mustangs. Um, but currently we're sitting on a, um, Hellcat. Ooh, take that to the strip. Yep. <laughs> it's been there. <laughs> so here at Women Shifting Gears, we do focus on uh, women in automotive and in motorsports and just the connection that we all kind of share. And it, it seems like that you're already kind of doing that through different, um, initiatives that you're part of, and even in your kind of work, personal life. Um, why do you feel 
women belong in this space? You know, gender doesn't mean anything in this space or any space for that matter. Male, female, we're all capable of the same thing. You know, I think I heard somebody say it really well. Um, It was actually Chelsea from Thraddle Thrashers. Uh, She was one of the top two women at SEMA to make it to Battle of the Builders Top 12. And I asked a question and I said, what recommendation do you have to other women who want to achieve what you have achieved? And Chelsea said, step out of your own way. You are the only individual stopping yourself. Um, and, and, And that rung very true to me. And it is that we are just as capable. And, and I don't, if it's automotive, if it's, you know, a C executive leadership position, I really don't care what it is. You are just as, as capable as the guy sitting next to you or the girl sitting next to you and, and don't stop yourself, achieve what you want to achieve. Brilliant. Well, Tina, thank you for joining us here on Women Shifting Gears, driven by Hemmings. Uh, now that was the, you know, the get to know part. Now we put you on the hot lap. Uh, so you are headed on a road trip. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to the beach. What are you driving? Ooh, my new Bronco. Ooh, okay. I like it. If you, uh, we like to promote women in the left seat on this show. So you're driving who's in the passenger seat with you. That one could depend on my mood. It could be my husband or it could be a car full of girls because we're on girls trip weekend. (laughs) I like it. What road snacks are you taking? You know, there's some chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Because who doesn't love chocolate? (laughs) And where are you dialing the radio? Ooh, this one could depend on my mood, but it's either going to be some 80s hairband or it's going to be some current pop or it's going to be some country. I like all of it, especially for an open road. Latina Nellis, thank you for joining us as I close out. Uh, if there is a 18-year-old female out there that is intimidated about her next step into this industry, what would you tell her? I would tell her, don't be afraid. You can do anything you want to do. Get that mentor to help you because you're going to achieve exactly what you want to achieve. Tina Nellis here on Women Shifting Gears, driven by Hemmings. Thank you for listening to the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. Hemmings, your marketplace for the car collector enthusiast since 1954. This podcast is produced by GS Events.